take some seats up here so I don't feel so lonely on this side. It'd be great if some of you would move forward because you seem a long way back, some of you. There's some seats, the first two rows. Thank you, Shokit. Thanks, John, Sandra. Bless you. Okay. Have you got a Bible this morning? Just wave at me if you brought a Bible. Okay. Great. If you can look at your own Bible as well as look at the screen, I'll be using different translations on the screen, so it's always good to follow it in your own Bible, so you can go back and refer to the Scriptures as well as just look at them on the screen. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for that wonderful testimony this morning from Philip. Father, I thank you for the wonderful testimony of your grace we'll have with Lou. And Father, I just uh, thank you that you're a good God. You're a a gracious God, slow to anger and abounding in love. We're just so honored and privileged to serve you, Father. And Lord, as we turn to your word, we just ask that we would open our hearts to receive from your spirit, to receive from your word this morning. And Father, I pray that we would be those that not only hear your word, but do what it says. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, this morning I want to speak on spiritual authority, and particularly in terms of spiritual authority within the congregation, within the church. And um, just before I do that, I'm going to share a little bit more on this this evening, but I'm going to share as well this evening on the authority of the believer. um, It's wonderful to hear Philip's testimony this morning. We have been, as a couple, praying for friends of ours uh, in the church in Coventry who... um, the lady got pregnant a few months after uh, Ishita got pregnant, and um, they found out that their baby had fetal hydropsy, which is quite a rare condition, um, which means that basically the, 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 the fetus, the, water, the stomach fills with water, and the uh, different organs fill with water, and basically the doctor said that this baby has 0% chance of going to full term or uh, being born. And... Um, this lady, one of the big things we spoke on and I shared on for a long, long time in the church in Coventry is that God is a good God. And um, that the, the God is sovereign, but we have, an, we have a responsibility to take up our authority. Um, but God is a good God and doesn't put sickness on people. And just saw a Facebook thing from, from this lady when um, this happened, uh, because I'm sure she would get all sorts of advice about what to do and what not to do. But she wrote on Facebook, she wrote, God is good. And um, basically, she's probably got now about uh, eight to ten weeks, I think, left of her pregnancy. The baby survived. Most of the water, all the water in the stomach is is gone, which is a miracle, absolute miracle. Most of the water around the back and the organs, uh, the back is gone. And we're just believing that this baby will... This baby has grown in the normal uh, percentile, if you know what that means in yeah. terms of baby's growth. So it's just a miracle. Uh, and we just pray that the miracle's on and it continues to be on. The reason I share that is because not only did it take that lady making that statement, but it took a number of friends that, 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 that she has there. One particular lady who's visited us actually with her husband. She's originally from um, Chennai in, in India. And she really took it upon herself to pray and fast for 40 days. A number of us have been joining her in prayer and fasting, different days, different people taking different days. And, um, you know, we have an authority 
to set the captives free. We have an authority to bring healing. And a lot of the time, the reason why we don't see things is not because God doesn't want to move, but God is waiting for us to move. God is waiting for us to line our heart and our mouth up with him and take the authority that he has given to us over the earth. Amen? Amen. So we're going to look a bit, I don't know how far we'll get this morning, but we're going to look a bit about spiritual authority. First scripture, Genesis 1, 26, 27. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female. The scripture goes on again to reiterate a lot of verse 26, and it says he gave them dominion, he gave them rule to subdue and to care and to steward the earth. So right at the beginning of creation, this mandate that God gave to men and women was to have a stewardship, a care, an authority for the earth, for all the creatures in the earth, uh, for each other, and uh, for this planet that God had made. It's a beautiful planet. We sang about it earlier. Uh, But we have a beautiful God. And in, in his desire to share and be in partnership with you and me, he gave us the authority in the earth. Does anybody believe that? Because I do. That's what the scripture says. And this authority, if you think about this, this beautiful planet that God created. In fact, um, when you read the book of Romans, it says that God intended Abram to be the heir of the world. And the world is more than just this planet. When you think of the trust God places in you and me, it is amazing. Uh, And that's why the, the, the devil particularly doesn't want to know, doesn't want us to know the authority we have in Christ. He doesn't want us to know the authority that's there in the community. I was sharing with somebody this week a, a story uh, from my history where one lady came into the church and she was very distressed and we prayed for her. And it turned out that she'd given her life to Christ, but she was under a great deal of darkness because her father was a warlock. He was a practicing warlock. And over time, this lady changed and, and she became stronger in Christ to the point where this was affecting her father in terms of the change that he saw on this lady. She was addicted to drugs, and she got off drugs, and her family got back together and so forth. And um, she asked me if I would go and see him. So I didn't immediately jump at it, to be frank with you. (laughs) I thought, let me pray on that. (laughs) But I I, I did pray on it, and I felt I needed to, to go and see him. So I went to see him, I sat down with him, face to face. And as I sat down with him, Uh, Two things came to mind. Just thankfulness. Number one, thankfulness that greater is he who is in me than he who is in this world. But the other thing was, I'm so thankful that I'm not just a man with authority, but a man under authority. Yes, that's true. That there was relationships I have and have now apostolically, prophetically, people who speak into my life that I'm accountable to, eldership in the local church, that I know when I walk into a situation, I'm not just some sort of, you know, rogue trader but I'm somebody who walks in with the authority of Jesus Christ. Jesus has delegated his authority. Do you understand that? He's delegated to you and me, but he's also delegated it, according to Ephesians 4, to leadership in the church. And therefore, it's important that we understand these sort of connections. You know, it's interesting, the only thing that God said that we are not to have dominion over, over is each other. 
We have to have dominion over those things that creep along the ground. We have to have dominion over the demonic, dominion over those things that would stop the propagation of the gospel. But we're not to have dominion over each other. The problem sometimes when we look at this whole area of spiritual authority, depending on our background church-wise or even home-wise, we have an idea that spiritual authority means heavy-handedness. Spiritual authority means control. Spiritual authority means uh, heavy shepherding or strong discipleship that uh, releases you of the freedom that God had given you. But all those things, I believe, are counterfeits to spiritual authority. That we can either have a spiritual authority in the church and in our own lives working to others that's based on fear or based on love. That's based on um, this lens of if, if, if there's spiritual authority in the church, then I feel controlled. Or if there's spiritual authority in the church, it's there for my blessing and my care and my provision. Now that, that requires each one of us and those in spiritual authority to be walking with Jesus. Amen. Not only walking with Jesus, but allowing him to heal them everywhere they hurt. Because if, if you or I uh, are leading a congregation or, or involved in people, caring for people's lives and we are carrying and we're not giving up to the Lord, carrying rejections and hurts and all sorts of stuff like that, it will come out in the way we deal with people. And sometimes we'll move into a, a heavy-handed authority instead of an authority birthed in love. Sometimes we'll move into a reaction instead of uh, moving in out of a decision to love. Can I just say something about love? When we think about love, we think, oh, everything's nice, cotton wool, we're all lovely, love is lovely. But the issue is that in love there's discipline, in yeah. love there's correction, yeah. in love there's rebuke. If I, the Bible teaches me that if I don't love my children, I will not discipline them. Right. I will, if I don't love them, I will not correct them. Part of love is those things. Now, the motive why I discipline my children is not because I want to have dominion and control over them. That's right. That's really important. Yeah. Yeah. Motive is everything with God. Right. The motive why I want to discipline my children is because I want them to come into all that God has for them yeah. in this life. Why I want to correct them and, 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 and give them wisdom if they require that as they grow. You know, Joel thinks he's already very wise. <coughs> he thinks he knows a great deal. And he does. He's, he can teach me things. But there are things I know as a father I can help Joel with as he grows up. And it's that kind of relationship. Spiritual authority is familial relationship. It's family relationship. It's not about people lording it over you and me. It's not about people being distant with a title and coming in and calling the shots. It's about familial relationships, about family relationships. Anybody say amen to that? Amen. Jesus told us the authority we have over the enemy in Luke 10, 19 to 20. I've given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. However, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Powerful. 
He's saying literally, rejoice that your authority is a heavenly authority. It's a powerful statement he makes. So we have authority over snakes and scorpions. We have authority over the works of the devil. But we don't have authority over people in terms of to trample them down. We have authority to care for them and lift them up and align them correctly with all that God has for them. Amen? Amen. Mark 10.42, Jesus called his disciples together and he said this, You know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them or control them or subjugate them. And their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. Whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. But even the Son of Man did not come to be served but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Powerful. Jesus is saying, the way my kingdom operates is not the way the world operates. The kingdom of the world operates on subjugation, on control, on manipulation, on politics, on one-upmanship, competition and comparison. But my kingdom doesn't operate that way. Not so with you. Serve each other. With the authority I've given you, serve each other, love each other. That is what Jesus is calling us to do. You know, when we think about Jesus, especially sometimes when we get hurt, we think about Jesus, and Jesus is always on our side, and Jesus will always love us. But when I read the Gospels, sometimes Jesus said some pretty strong things to people. So one day he's walking with Peter, and Peter tried to prevent him from going forward in the mission that God had for him. And he turned around and he said, Get behind me, Satan. A couple of his disciples, James and John, they wanted to call fire down on a town that rejected them. You see, rejection hurts, doesn't it? They felt rejection. And they knew they had power and authority because they walked with Jesus. Right, we're going to use that to really do some damage on those people that have rejected us. Instead of allowing, by walking with Jesus, that rejection to be healed in the warmth of his love and therefore to see what he sees. In fact, Jesus turned around to them and said, you don't know what spirit you're of. You don't know what motivation you're coming from. You're coming from a a fear-based, rejection-based, unhealed motivation. And and, and Jesus never came from that motivation. Even in the strong corrections he gave, his motivation was always love. I want to say this to you, that that myself or anybody else that's been given, by the grace of God, a position of office in in the church, is there by the grace of God. And is there to care and lift you up until you come into all that God has for you. And that sometimes will take an alignment and a correction. Sometimes that may take a rebuke to set you at one again. But I believe that though that the uh, leadership in this church, I believe we desire to see people come into all that God has for them. Amen. Okay, I want to talk about, instead of talking about what spiritual authority or those in spiritual authority expect from you as the community, I want to talk about what expectations we can have on spiritual authority. So people are in leadership. What are the expectations? There may be more than this, but these are the ones that I really felt God highlight to me in my own preparation. Expectation one, prayer covering. That you know that if you're part of a community of believers, that if you're part of this church, you... You, you must realize that we pray for you. You must realize that every day we pray for you. I certainly pray for your protection, for your wholeness, for your families every day. 
because I really believe that I have been given that ability to do that in the position that God has placed me in, uh, the function that God has placed me in. And therefore, that's one thing. And I want to give you an interesting account from Numbers chapter 12 of Moses covering his own sister and brother in prayer. So we're going to read the account. Miriam and Aaron began to talk about Moses because of his Cushite wife, for he had married a Cushite. Just let me give you an example. A Cushite is, is, is an African woman, okay? So Moses had married somebody outside his own race, and um, people, Miriam and his, Aaron, his sister and his brother, began to talk against Moses. And they began to say, has the Lord spoken only through Moses, they asked. Hasn't he also spoken through us? And the Lord heard this. It's so easy sometimes when we fall out with those in leadership to make comparisons that aren't we also anointed? Aren't we also powerful? Can't we preach better than them? Can't we lay hands better than them? Can't we see results better than them? And this was going on between Miriam, Aaron, and Moses and they were saying, look, you know, Miriam was saying, you know, God's given me some great prophecy. You know, surely it's not just Moses that has this gift. But you see, gift and authority are different. Yeah. They're different. Yeah. Amen. The, gifts and, the gifts of God are irrevocable, but I believe that authority is not irrevocable. I remember a very, very powerful prophet in the United States, a very, very accurate prophet. Very well known, I won't give his name, but he had a fall morally, and um, he not only had a fall morally, but he didn't repent of it, he didn't decide to uh, set himself right with the Lord, and carried on in ministry. You know what, he was still effective in his gift? Isn't that amazing? Yeah. He was still effective in the gift of prophecy. I said to one lady who, who'd spent time with him, I said, this is, this is strange, you know, he can still move in this gift. And, and this lady said, well, he doesn't have the same authority anymore. Doesn't have the same effect, even though he can move in, in the gift. And I believe that God, <clears throat> I believe that God shares not only his secrets, but his authority with his friends. Yeah. That you and me, if we want to walk in the authority of Jesus and see lasting results, then God wants us to be his friends and be friends of those that he calls friends. It's interesting, Moses says, now Moses was a very humble man, more humble than anyone else on the face of the earth. Moses wrote that, by the way, and um, <clears throat> the Lord's spoken only through Moses. <laughs> it says, but it says the Lord heard this. The Lord, you know what, the Lord hears everything we say. Yeah. Do you know that? He's in you, wherever you go. He hears everything we say. And if we want to develop a sensitivity to the Holy Spirit, realize that he's with you. Amen. And he's listening to what you and I say. He's listening. And it says the Lord heard this conversation. What happened next? At once the Lord said to Moses, Aaron and Miriam, come out to the tent of meeting, all three of you. Ooh. So the three of them went out. Then the Lord came down in a pillar of cloud. He stood at the entrance to the tent and summoned Aaron and Miriam. When the two of them stepped forward, he said, listen to my words, because I've listened to yours. 
When there is a prophet among you, I, the Lord, reveal myself to them in visions. I speak to them in dreams. But this is not true of my servant Moses. He is faithful in my house, in all my house. With him I speak face to face, clearly and not in riddles. He sees the form of the Lord. Why then were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? The anger of the Lord burned against them and he left them. Wow, this is kind of a powerful bit of scripture, isn't it? Notice what God says. He says, look, there's many gifted prophets, there's many gifted people, but, but with Moses, Moses takes some responsibility in my house. Can I suggest to you there's many ministries out there that are itinerant that go around and they, they bless people and they, they, they're great to, to be part of their big meetings or their small meetings, whatever it be. But I believe that what God requires is ministries to take responsibility in the house of God, right. in the church. Right. Not just go around blessing, but start to try and build into people's lives. I remember Gareth Dufty saying a long time ago in one message, he said, he said this, he said... <clears throat> When you're sick, when you need to have somebody to do a funeral, when you need to have somebody to, to marry you, when you need to have somebody to cry on, the, on your shoulder, when you need somebody to cover you in prayer, you won't be able to go to a ministry on TV to do that. You may be, you may be able to go to them and, and put a prayer request in, but there's no relationship there. And God is about relationship, intimate relationship. Right. Can I just say, guys, there's nothing wrong with ministry on TV. And, and, and I think we need to get over speaking against stuff like that from, from any platform. Nothing wrong with it. But be discerning to realize that you and I require relationship. Right. Not just, an, uh, you know, whether it be social media, whether it be on TV. That is not, frankly, guys, it's not real. There's not an accountability there. But we can work these things out. And there's a lot of good stuff out there, a lot of good preaching. I'm not knocking it. But it's when we start to work out what God is saying to us in a local setting. That's when it becomes powerful. You know, it says the anger of the Lord burned against them and he left them. It's interesting. The anger of the Lord burned against them. He didn't destroy them. He, he, he left them. That's worse than anything I can imagine. Can you? The presence of God leaving. Because you know, when, the, when, when the covering of God leaves and the presence of God leaves, all hell can break loose. Yeah. And let's see what happened next. So the anger of the Lord was aroused against them, and he departed. When the cloud departed from above the tabernacle, suddenly Miriam became leprous, as white as snow. So I don't believe it was God who put leprosy on Miriam, but when... The anger of the Lord burned, his presence left, all hell broke loose. Because God's fair, and therefore, if it was God who put leprosy, he would have put it on Miriam and Aaron. Why did he just go on Miriam? Because the Satan hates women. Particularly because from the seed of the woman, Christ came. Yeah. Are you with me on this? Yeah. You're listening, yeah? This is really important. So basically what happened was, it went on Miriam, and, and, and she became, she became what was, an outside manifestation of an inward focus. Yeah. She was focusing on being more white. That Moses' wife needed to be more white. And she became white. It was almost like, well, if you, if you, if you really, really want to be white, here you go. Here's leprous white for you. 
This is, this is the importance of the power of our words. And the power of our words over ourselves carry authority. The power of our words over other people carry authority. Therefore, be careful what we say. And I, I want to say this to you. In the church of Jesus Christ, there is no room for racism whatsoever. Amen. No room for it. There is no room for a comparison between one race or another. Right. You know, in the British Raj in India, Pakistan and Bangladesh, as they're all now called, but when it was under the British Empire, one of the things they did was had a policy called divide and conquer. And they, the British Raj, the empire, would look at the differences between castes in Hinduism, look at the differences between racial groups and tribal groups within that great subcontinent, look at the differences between religion and exploit them and divide them so that they could conquer them. This is not a wonderful part of British history, by the way. Well, we gave them railways. Well, praise God. We took every jewel they ever had from all over their country, exhausted all their natural resources. And I believe that... Um, a lot of that was done sometimes uh, from, from a position of a wrong understanding of the Bible, a wrong understanding of Christian faith that, 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 that we are somehow better than other people from a European standpoint. And God hates racism. Amen. He hates it. He hates it. And many countries that were part of the British Empire, whether it be on the Indian subcontinent or into Africa, they are still paying the price for our greed and exploitation today. They're still paying that price. And it's amazing, you know, a country I love, India, when you think about India, 70 years after independence, with all the inequalities, with all the infrastructural problems that India has, it's becoming a, a powerhouse nation in the earth. Amen. And 70 years after independence, the Americans were fighting each other constantly and blindly searching for gold. So you can see the advance of societies. And I believe one of the main reasons why India is on the upcoming is because the church in India knows how to pray. And the church in India has taken authority in a powerful way in their nation. And, and I, I want to say to, to you... As a, as a church leader, that I want all races and all nations to feel welcome in this house. Right. I want all communities to feel welcome in this house. Somebody asked me the other day, what would happen if somebody who was a practicing homosexual came into the church? Uh, a number of people have asked me this question. And my response is this. If somebody with that lifestyle wants to come and worship Jesus, that's the best way for them to be helped to get out of that lifestyle. Amen. Not exclude them. And sometimes some of our prejudices, I believe we need to repent of. Because people are more than their race, more than their gender, and more than their sexuality. Amen. They are loved by God. I think that's exactly my point, Simon. We subjugated India. Okay. So what was Moses' response, just getting back to it, after that example of subjugation, man against man, race against race? What did Moses do 
when Miriam was in this position. Aaron said to Moses, Oh my Lord, please do not lay this sin on us in which we have done foolishly and which we have sinned. Please do not let her be as one dead whose flesh is half consumed when he comes, she comes out of the mother's womb. So Moses cried out to the Lord, Please heal her, O oh God, I pray. What a heart this guy had. Right. He could have said, No, 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 no. I am the man of authority. I have spoken. You know, I don't know about you, but sometimes I've been around some guys, whether it be a minister or otherwise, and what they say, say somebody has a great idea to do something for God. And then somebody comes along, well, that won't work. I, 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 in all my wisdom, I believe that won't work. And then when it doesn't work, there's a kind of rejoicing by that person. Well, it's not, it's not worked. I was right. Mm. How weird is that? When somebody wants to do something grand for God, why don't you and me back them and help them and train them and instruct them as much as we possibly can, as much as they'll receive it? Yeah. Amen? Yeah. Hmm. So Moses prayed for her. You know, this is an interesting scripture in James chapter 5 that I believe if we followed, we'd see a lot more healing amongst the church of Jesus Christ. It says in this scripture, if anybody be sick, call the elders of the church and they'll lay hands and pray. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. Do we believe the scripture? Yes. So who calls on the elders when they're sick? Who calls on them? It's the people, isn't it, according yes. to the scripture? Yes. So if we believe the scripture, let's put this into practice, that if you are struggling whether it be a physical sickness, whether it be something emotional, whether it be a mental problem, whatever it would be, I believe this is a way in which healing can come. Yeah. Since we've been here, I remember in the first sort of season we were here from August to January, I asked George to come and lay hands on me because I was having repeated sickness of the flu. And I, I, I know it got better from that point. I believe that the scripture is true on this. And the only thing that, 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 feels, that, that makes us feel we don't need fathers, mothers, or we don't need people in authority, or we don't need people to speak into our lives, is something called an orphan spirit that we all have. Right. And it, it, it's a sense of, I'm a self-made person. I can do it on my own. I don't need anybody else. And I certainly don't need anybody with authority speaking into my life. And sometimes when you've been hurt by those in authority, whether it be parents or whether it be school teachers or whether it be church leaders, we kind of default back to this, this false comfort of I'm okay, me on my own with Jesus. But can I say this to you? Every one of you is so much better in God than that. And you are a supply to others, not just us being a supply to you. It's really, really important. Expectation two. I believe that the, an expectation that we must have of those over us in the Lord is to help us to come to maturity in Christ. You know, it's not just about you and I coming to a meeting or being part of a church or even being a role of serving in the church. That I believe that for each one of us, God requires and desires us to grow up in him. That when we look back... Uh, at the end of this year, we can say, thank you, Father, that I am what I am, and I'm glad I wasn't what I used to be. Yes. 
that there's growth, there's development in our relationship with Jesus and relationship with each other. Amen? Amen. I've said this earlier, Ephesians 4, these ministries of Christ are there to help us come to maturity, to attain the full measure of Christ. They help us, Ephesians 4, 14 to 16, that we will no longer be infants, tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunningness and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow up to become, in every respect, the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. God requires of us to want to grow up in him. You know, we've got a a seven-year-old, a three-year-old, and now a tiny little baby in our home. And there's certain things we're expecting from Joel that we wouldn't expect from Zoe. So Joel is going to the loo now. And every time he comes off the loo, he says, I've been to the loo! (laughs) And we all go, yay, yay, you've been to the loo. Praise God. But we wouldn't expect Zoe to do that. That would be really weird, actually. My point is that as we grow in God, there are certain expectations. And some of you have been saved a little bit of time. Some of you a long time. And I believe that the worst, the, 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 the most joyous thing in a family sometimes is a little baby running around with pampers on. Yeah. But I tell you, one of the worst things in a family would be a 30-year-old oh, running around with pampers right. on. That's right. God wants us to grow up. And when I read that scripture, one of the ways we can grow up is by receiving the ministries of Christ. Yes. By receiving people that God has put in function to lead and to help and to care for us. See, the responsibility ahead. The Bible says that it's good for somebody to take responsibility on in their youth or their immaturity. Responsibility helps us grow. And one of the things that George, I know, has done greatly here is try and give people an area of service in the church because it helps people take a responsibility for others within the community. It helps people take a responsibility and think beyond themselves. And I believe that God wants his people to take great responsibility, not just within the community of God, but into the community at large. To take great responsibility to pray for our town, to take great responsibility to be Christ wherever we go. Anybody say amen to that? Expectation three, to feed the flock, to feed the church with the word of grace. You know, so often, so often we can speak from the pulpit, and it can be law instead of grace. So often somebody can be speaking grace from the pulpit, but because of the condition of our hearts, we can receive it as law. You know, sometimes when you are convicted when somebody is preaching, it's actually one of the reasons why they're preaching, to bring a conviction of the Holy Spirit. It, It may be uncomfortable, but make sure you understand the difference between conviction and condemnation. When somebody's speaking and the conviction comes, it may cut you to the heart a bit. Oh, man, that's for me. But they'll give you a way out. They'll help you in what they're saying if you listen. They'll help you get out of the situation you're in. They'll help you get out of the mindset they're in by what they say. If it's condemnation, you'll stay in that place and you'll feel like you can't get out. Do you see the difference? So when you listen to the word, there will be conviction. Otherwise, what's the point? If we just speak the word, nobody listens, nobody changes, what's the point? Oh, that preacher was 
was really good today. You know, it was a great performance. We gave them 10 out of 10. Seven! We gave them 10 out of 10, whatever. Great performance. Three out of 10. That wasn't that good today. That's not the point. The point is that part of teaching and preaching the word on a Sunday is, is one way in which it can help us and equip us to grow in God. If I can get one person here to be inspired to allow God into their lives, to bring healing and restoration, allow God to bring them into all that they have for the, all he has for them, then I'll be very happy. Right. Regardless of whether my performance is good or not. Amen? <laughs> this is what Paul said to a bunch of elders towards the end of his ministry. Now I commit to you, God. I commit you to God and to the word of his grace which can build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. The idea of the word of God being preached and teached <clears throat> is to build you up, not knock you down. It's to give you an inheritance and a responsibility. You know, with inheritance comes responsibility. Yes. To give you an inheritance and a responsibility. With the, in the Spider-Man movie, it says this, with great power comes great responsibility. It's true, isn't it? And God wants each one of us as a believer to be a priest of God. That is a powerful, powerful statement. That you are a place in which people find God and a place where you minister to the Lord and you minister God to other people. That is the most powerful calling on the face of the earth. It's a great responsibility. It's not just my responsibility or George's responsibility. It's all our responsibilities because we're all priests of God. Amen? Teaching grace leads to life. Teaching legalism leads to deception and fear. It's very, very important that not only we teach grace, but the attitude of our heart in receiving is it's, it's a simple prayer. Father, I want to receive your grace because it's your grace that teaches me to say no to ungodlikeness. So I want to receive your grace. 2 Corinthians 3.15, it talks at length. I haven't got time to go into it, but it... In this particular chapter, chapter 3, it talks about the difference between the law and grace. The difference between the ministry of death, which is legalism, and the ministry of righteousness, which is grace. And it says, when the law is preached, the veil covers people's hearts. But when grace is preached, there is a cut into the heart. There is a sense of penetration past every obstacle the devil has put there into your heart. So that you can receive the life of God. And we want to preach grace, don't we? Amen. Feed the flock with grace. Galatians 3.1, Paul says to an entire congregation in Galatia, he says, who has bewitched you? Why have you gone back under legalism instead of remaining in grace? You see, the law is perfect and pure. But the way we administer the law is to control and manipulate other people and can make comparison one is better than the other. That is legalism. And if you have got to jump through hoops uh, and feel like you've got to jump through hoops before God accepts you, that is legalism. That's right. That is not grace. But just because you don't have to jump through hoops for God to accept you, God loves you so much, he doesn't want you to remain in immaturity. That's right. Genesis 2 and 3, you know, legalism can be as subtle as a misinterpretation of the scripture. When you read those chapters, Genesis 2 and 3, what you find is that God spoke to Adam 
and said, I don't want you to eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. When Adam communicated that to his wife, he said this, that God says, you don't even touch that tree. You don't go anywhere near that tree. Interesting, huh? Why? What happened is he was communicating beyond the heart of God. He was communicating rules and regulations that God never intended. And what happened? It says she was deceived. See, we must, as the expectation must happen uh, for us as, as a church, that our leaders feed us with the word of grace. Build us up, make us strong. The other thing I will say this, if you're not here, which you are here today, so this is people on the tape, it's very difficult to hear what God is saying. And that's why we, in the grace of God, we've got websites, we've got all the sort of things we've got now to hear. So if you can't make it, keep up with what God is saying to us as a community. Amen? Next one, expectation four, pleasing Jesus before pleasing people. This is a big thing. This is a big thing that leadership can get into, pleasing people before pleasing Jesus. As long as I'm liked, I've done my job. Oh, that's a load of rubbish, isn't it? You know, there are some times when my son doesn't seem to like me very much. This is a, when I'm disciplining him. He's got this phrase, I don't know where he's got it from, but he, he, I'm glad it's not something worse than this, but he says, uh, Daddy, you're a pom-pom. You're a pom-pom. I don't know where it comes from. You're a pom-pom. I could think of worse things he could say to me, so it's okay. Yeah. You're a pom-pom. He says this to me when he's angry, you know. He's upset because I've, said he can't watch TV or he can't have chocolate or something like that. But the issue is this, that I'm saying that because I love him. Yeah. And so often, you know, it says about God in the scripture that he's slow to anger, but he's abounding in love. Sometimes we see God based on the view that our parents has given to yes. us of God. Yes. How they've handled us, how they've disciplined us. You know, sometimes I cry and melted in heart I can't stay mad at my son or my daughter or I just can't because I love them so much. And if there's any discipline, if there's any discipline that I have to give to them, there's a hundred times more love, cuddles and hugs because I believe that's the heart of God. I was dealing with a situation several months ago with somebody and I was driving to meet this person and I felt the Lord speak to my heart and I said, Lord, I just need your wisdom in dealing with this situation. And he said, I want you to deal with it the way I would deal with it and I'll show you how. I just felt that in my spirit. So I went into the meeting. And basically after I finished that, it was a positive time and I, I was driving home and I, I just said to the Lord, thank you, Father, for how that went. I was so blessed with how that went. And he said, see, son, what you did is this. You gave a moment of discipline and rebuke, but two hours of love and vulnerability and that's how I am with you and I believe that God is looking for, for people who won't shy away from saying hey that's not going to help you but also will make sure people feel encouraged and lifted up at the same time amen, amen. amen. pleasing Jesus before pleasing people you know <clears throat> Jesus said this he says woe to you when everyone speaks well of you for that is how their ancestors treated the false prophets I love that scripture every time somebody doesn't speak well of me. Because I know I'm not a false prophet. 
<laughs> and I really believe that if you, if you come across somebody or you come across a name of somebody, and when you mention their name, everybody just starts to gush. Oh, I love Johnny. Oh, John, there's nothing wrong with Johnny. And everybody gushes. Oh, Johnny. He's, he's like Jesus. Johnny, he's just amazing. There's nothing wrong with him in any way. Woe to that person when everybody speaks well of him. Because nobody is perfect. Nobody is perfect. And we all make mistakes. But we are all growing up in Jesus. Amen. You see... <clears throat> When Moses was building the tabernacle, which was a place for heaven to come to earth, God was very specific. He says, make this tabernacle and all its furnishings exactly like the pattern I will show you. Can you imagine all the different ideas he would have had from three million people? Well, I'd, I'd like the tabernacle to be a, you know, a nice green color or a nice blue color. I would like the furnishing to be this way. And by the way, if you furnish it this way, I'll put a bit more money in if I get my way. But what did he do? He says, I'll build it according to the pattern that God has shown me. The next one, it says this as well. Even down to the specific articles that go in the temple, I want you to build it according to the pattern I've shown you in my presence on the mountain. God wants, I believe, spiritual leaders to listen to him Above listening to people. Not, not listen to people, but listen to him above the voices of anybody else. Yeah. It's very, very important that we build according to what he has said. Not even according to the past or not even according to what somebody else is doing down the road. Well, you know, some people come and say, well, that's successful at, you know, uh, Abundant Choice Grace Church or whatever it is. And why don't you bring it in here? And, and the answer is, well, if God hadn't told us to bring it in here, we won't. Amen? Yes. I believe it's time to copy heaven's way of doing things. Jesus says in Matthew 6.33, seek first the kingdom of God. You know, it says about Saul who pleased people before he pleased God. He said he had a stubborn and rebellious heart. In fact, the prophet Samuel went to him and said this, that your stubbornness is like the sin of idolatry in your heart. And your rebellion is of the sin of witchcraft. That's what he said to a spiritual leader. That's what the prophet said to him. Because he wanted to please people and cater for people's needs above catering for what the Lord wanted. Expectation five, to watch over the souls of the people. Hebrews 13, 17 says, Have confidence in your teachers and, and your leaders. Submit to their authority because they keep watch over you as those who must give an account. Do this so that their work will be a joy, not a burden. For that would be of no benefit to you. It's a strong statement uh, to make, isn't it? But I believe the most unaccountable people in our society are in prison. They're very restricted. True accountability, I believe, that's forged in the love of God, provides opportunity for growth, development, and change, and brings more maturity and greater liberty. The Apostle Peter says this, Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, watching over them. Not because you must, but because you are willing, as God wants you to be. Not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve. Not lording it over people. Here's that word again. Jesus says, don't lord it over people like the Gentiles. Peter listened to him, isn't it? We always think of Peter as the, the one who was, you know, just 
so zealous, so after doing everything, they didn't listen. But he listened to Jesus. And he said, I'm not going to lord it over people. Be examples so that when the chief shepherd appears, you'll receive the crown of glory. Everything that you have, and I have in this life, every function we have, every gift we have, every place of authority God has put us in, it is all from him. And it all belongs to him. And it's all for his glory. And it's all to see people's lives transformed. You know, Jesus came to this earth to seek and save the lost. Jesus came to this earth to destroy the works of the devil. And that is our mandate too, as the church. And if we are divided, if we are speaking against each other, if we are those that are suspicious of each other, we are forfeiting our moment in, 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 in eternity to do what God has called us to do. It says about Jesus that he's the, the gate of heaven. In John 10 verse 9. That Jesus is the chief shepherd. He's the good shepherd. He's the gate of heaven. You know, in Genesis chapter 28, verses 10 to 18, there's a story where Jacob, who was a rebellious character in the scripture, but was treated really badly as well. And he found himself encountering God. And he had a vision of angels and descending and ascending from heaven. And he said, this is none other than Bethel, the house of God. This is the place where God is. It's the gate of heaven. And Jesus describes himself as the gate of heaven. And every single person in spiritual authority, whether they are a leader in the church or whether they are a priest of God like you and me in the world, we are a gate of heaven. We are a place where people can experience heaven on earth. We are a place God resides in you and me. God resides in you and me. Whatever you feel like, whatever mistakes you've made, You are Bethel. You are a house of God. Anybody say amen to that? You see, part of watching over souls of people in leadership is to bring bring heaven's culture into your thinking, which should be your thinking, your heart and your life. If, if, If church leaders aren't bringing heaven's culture into hearts and lives, then we are not doing the job that God has called us to do. Heaven's culture is this. Sickness has to go. Not some silly doctrines about the sovereignty of God that are misinterpreted. Sickness has to leave. Demons have to flee. People who have carried hurts for generations, they need to be healed. This is when Jesus is really manifest amongst us. Jesus came to seek and save the lost. Expectation six is to look after themselves. And you know, I'll be the first to say that sometimes leaders aren't very good at that. But I believe God is going to help us do it better. You know, I remember the first, just reminiscing because we've just had a little girl and my firstborn Sophie, when she came into the world... We were doing a building project in the church and we were growing in the church at that time. We were growing well. Many people were coming in. needed a lot of help 
felt very on my own in leadership. And just gave myself to ministry. I'd just gone full-time out of teaching at that time. Just gave myself and missed many precious moments with my firstborn daughter. Because I spent too much time doing ministry. And praise God, God restores the years of locusts eating. We've got, I've got a beautiful relationship with Sophie. But with this little one, I ain't going to miss out. Amen. For her, I'm not going to miss out. And uh, I know for you as a community, I'm just speaking very open and very vulnerably to you. You've had a wonderful man who hasn't had a young family. He and his wife have served you for many, many years in a wonderful way. But we, we can't do that in the same way that he's done it. We just haven't got the capacity at the moment because we've got a young family. But I tell you, we'll serve you with all his grace that flows through us. We'll do our best. That's all we can do. And um, <clears throat> we just, I just believe that God wants this house to grow. People who are sick to be healed. People who are broken to be made whole. Not hurts and pains swept under the carpet, but people getting real freedom in Jesus. Coming to know God as their father. Getting rid of the orphan tendencies in their lives. Coming into everything that God has for them. Finding a fresh life in the word and a fresh life in his presence by his spirit. And enjoying life. Regardless of the circumstances. Enjoy, really enjoying life. And I believe that God wants to have such a hope and such a place like that. And I'll conclude by saying this. Expectation seven. I know I've gone on, forgive me. Expectation seven is help people to reach their God-given potential. <clears throat> Can I say this? That I may be leading this church. My God, this church is not about me or anybody else in leadership. It's about everybody who walks through that door getting healed up and whole on the inside Amen. and coming in to all that God has for them. Yes. Those sort of things take time. It's not going to be a quick fix. But I believe that this is a place where people can grow and a place where people can be made whole. And I believe that this community is not destined to die off in five years in 10 years' time and 15 years' time, but is, is, is destined to grow where the Abram generation serves and blesses the generations to come in. And that's reciprocated by the Isaac and Jacob generation, blessing back those that have walked and stood for so long. Expectation help people reach their God-given potential. Moses said to the Lord, May the Lord, the God who gives breath to all living things, appoint someone over this community to go out and come in before them, one who will lead them out and bring them in. So the Lord's people will not be like sheep without a shepherd. Can I say this to you, brothers and sisters? We've been very good sometimes at leading people out of darkness into light, leading people into salvation, leading people out of the wilderness. We've been really good at that sometimes, but I believe it's time to lead people into the promised land. Right. Amen. In their heart, in their life, in their family. In every aspect that we, we start to see people come in to their promised land, not just come out of the wilderness. Yeah. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. I believe that's what we're here to do. And I, and I want to say that with all that God has in me, I want to help as much as I can possibly help towards that. But commission Joshua and encourage and strengthen him, for he will lead this people across and will cause them to inherit the land. God wants you and I to inherit 
inherit the, the complete authority and possession of the territory we live in. And just pour the love of the Father, the grace of Jesus, and the presence of the Holy Spirit all over it. That Because I tell you, the alternative is society getting worse. And I know there's a lot of prophets out there that are talking about everything's getting worse. And you look at the news and it looks like everything's getting worse. But I still believe that in the last days, the glory of the house of God, Amen. the church will be, will be greater than all the other mountains and all nations will stream in to the Amen. church. I don't just believe, I don't, I, I, I don't care where you stand on Israel. I really don't care about that. I'm so glad that Israel's there. I'm so glad there's a nation of Israel. But I tell you this, but the church of Jesus Christ, Jew, Gentile, male, female, no division in Christ. We are here as the agent of the kingdom to represent right, Jesus in the yeah. earth. We are here. I'm not replacing Israel. We are here to do that job. Right. Thank you, Lord. And for every single person on this earth that calls on the name of Jesus, there is a day coming when Jesus' name will no longer be a swear word in our nation and the nations of this earth, but his name will be lifted high. And I make, that's, that's what gets me up in the morning. Well, actually, Joel did it about 5.30. But anyway, <laughs> that's what makes me go on with the day. Amen? Amen. Father, I just thank you for every precious person in this room. Amen, Lord. Father, I thank you, Lord, that, that, that they have heard your word. And, and I just speak against the enemy right now. Devil, I just speak directly to you, and I say in the name of Jesus, take your hands off every single person in this room. Take your hands off their family. You have no right to exercise authority over them because they belong to Jesus Christ and are bought with his precious blood. So no more lies, no more thoughts from the pit of hell over their lives about themselves or about other people. I just speak health in mind and body and soul and heart in the name of Jesus. Amen. Let's just praise Jesus for a moment. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Come on, just stand to your feet for a moment. Just stand up for a moment. <coughs> Let's just pray for a moment for our town and for this area in Jesus' name. <coughs> Come on, let's pray. Come on, we know how to pray. We just declare your praises, Lord. We declare your goodness over this area. We don't pray against something right now. We declare your goodness into this town, into this Airedale Valley, into the towns and villages around. We declare your goodness. We declare your presence. We declare your life. We declare your light. And we declare that this church will go from strength to strength. That the church of Jesus in this town will go from strength to strength in the name of Jesus. Amen. Praise God. Father, we declare Come that on. the earth is yours in the fullness Amen. of the Amen. And the earth includes Keithley. Yes. And the earth includes the villages round about. Father, Keithley and the villages round about are yours, Lord. Jesus. Hallelujah. And the fullness thereof, Lord, yes. are yours, Lord. Father, every man, every woman, every boy and girl in this whole area has been created in your image yes, Lord. and your likeness. And we call them out, Father. Call them out. We call them from Jesus the north name. and the south yes. and the east and the west. They are yours, Father, yes. in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. 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 Thank you, Father. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Have, yes, a, Lord. have a wonderful day. Amen. Praise God.